Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we are going to be covering load management in this episode of the THP Strength Podcast. This episode is brought to you by our advertiser, Legion Supplements. Um, they are one of, the, or one of the biggest questions we get asked is how we can improve recovery. One of the only ways to do this is to give your body more of what it already needs. Increasing bioavailability of these micronutrients can help you help you. In other words, it lets your body do what it is already trying to do during recovery, but better. Use the code THP at checkout if you want a discount on the supplements. Second time you use it, you get points towards your next purchase. And without further ado, let's get straight into our podcast. Last time, uh, we covered a lot about load management. Um, and today we're going to be going a little bit more in depth. I guess the first thing we can talk about is how we can use pain to gauge or to help assist the load management process, the recovery process. Um, I think I'll give my personal thoughts on that first. Um, pain is one of the most important things in the load management process. Something that we like to use when getting someone back from knee pain is to choose a movement that can be a little provocative for the tendon but not so provocative that it's going to regress you in your progression. Usually for tendon or for a patella tendon, that can be a bodyweight squat. Um, for someone that's a little healthier, it can be a single leg half squat. It can be going up and down the stairs. Uh, for the Achilles tendon, it can be doing a calf raise on one, one or two legs, maybe light, super light hopping um, on both legs. And you basically give that a score from one to 10. And that is what you use to track if you're um, doing, if you're recovering well, if you're progressing or if you're regressing. And I know that's something that was very important in my load management process uh, because I, I see that a lot of people when they're trying to get back from um, whatever their injury is, they're kind of just walking in the dark, right? Um, they're just kind of doing these exercises and they don't really have an idea of how to objectively measure if they're progressing or not. Whereas if you have a concrete number where today I wake up and I'm at a four, right? That's your baseline. Then the next day you wake up and you're at a five, you know that something you did in that day was bad for your tendon and made you take steps backwards in the recovery process. So I think it's one of the most important parts of the load management process. It's like what we were talking in the diet podcast, right? You can't improve it if you can't track it. You can't change it if you can't track it. So, uh, tracking your, it. or you can't manage it. Yeah. I said this around the same. If you can't measure it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't manage it. If you can't measure it. Um, so yeah, I think really... one thing that might help is hearing how you actually use this. Like right now, what are you doing? So right also, now, you didn't I... update the viewers, how your training is going, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Listeners. yeah. So this is relevant because I'm currently in load management. Um, if you keep up with my YouTube, you already know um, kind of what's going on. So I'm experiencing tendinopathy in my upper quad, uh, where the quad attaches to the greater trochanter, um, to bone on your, your femur. And I've been experiencing it for months now. Um, and just kind of ignoring it like a dumbass. Um, <laughs> And we decided to actually start, um, like get get rid of get rid of the issue about I want to say a month ago, right, Don? It was when we started doing load management for it. I mean, I, we kind of knew that it was a problem. We didn't really know what it was specifically. I mean, 
it kind of just came up, but it, it didn't really seem like a big deal. Just kind of like a little nagging injury. It wasn't limiting you, which like, yeah. it's, it's normal. If you're trying to be a pro athlete at any level, you're probably not feeling hundred percent all the time <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or yeah. ever really whenever you're pushing. So like, it was like, eh, whatever. It's not really a big deal. And then when I was down in Florida, I remember you just like kept grabbing it. You're like, I don't know if I can train. And I'm like, all right, well, let's do some isometrics for it. Let's try this. Let's try this. And you started to feel a little bit better, did the full session. And then I think when I left, so this has been ongoing since then, at least. So that was like the summer. Yeah. And then I left and I think we started really working on it probably about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago. Yeah. Because before then I just yeah. kind of, I was able to jump through it and then through the training week, it would like gradually um, get better just through like squatting and stuff like that and doing isometrics. And then I would have a three hour session and it would regress it. So always when my sessions start, it, it, it's like early stages of tendinopathy. Like once you warm up, you don't really feel it. Um, but then as the weeks went by, it started limiting how high I could jump. Um, I was starting to feel pain throughout the whole session. And oh, wait, yeah. real quick, can you turn your gain up a little bit? Turn it up? Yeah, or put your base closer to the mic. You're all right, all right. Too how's that? Yeah. How's that, that, how's that look? Is that look? Is that look good on your end? Is it showing the little yellow circle yeah. when you speak? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, go ahead. So, make <laughs> sure you sound crispy. Yeah, with crispy, clean, baby. Um, <laughs> so we started focusing on it around a month ago, and I would say I still wasn't really keeping track of how how it felt. But then we found out that wall sits are really good for it. And then I started using that to measure it. But wall sits were not i guess not provocative enough is the the best way to put it um because it got to the point where i was feeling like a it was a single leg wall sit wasn't it no it was double leg i was i was, oh, was a double leg, leg one oh, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so i was i was feeling like a one or a two on most days and then um i started lifting super heavy um i i progressed through slow strength faster than i should have and that kind of messed it up. So I decided to do a different test, which was a single leg box squat. And when I did that the first day, this was around a week and a half ago, it was a seven out of 10, which is really freaking bad. Um, I only did isometrics for probably a week, got that down to a three, um, and then decided to have a jump session um, because we were, it was, if I can do a single leg box squat, that's usually a good indicator that it's healthy enough to have like a submaximal session, work through one step dunks. Um, next day, the pain dropped. So from a three to a 2.5, that's how we know, again, um, using the pain scores to manage your, to track how your pain's doing. We saw that the pain dropped, which is a good indicator that what you're doing is working, which means I, I can keep dunking. Um, did slow strength. Next session, which was yesterday, I was at a 1.5 during the test, did the session, went a little more intense, added half a step to my jumps. And then today, the pain didn't go up at all. Um, so we, yeah, the pain's been stabilizing and we know it's been stabilizing because the sessions are, right, very, they're capped. We know exactly how much I'm jumping and we're using this very specific test to test it. Um, yeah. So yeah, training think- going pretty good. One of the one of the things out of that whole story that you can kind of, I guess, gain from that is using pain scoring to assist you in progression. And Isaiah and I have been doing this for years. We have been for both of our, our training. 
like I said, most of the time you're going to hear people say, well, oh, you can train through whatever, you, know, you can get zero pain, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, speak to any pro athlete and ask them if that's been the case for most of their career or all of their career getting to that point because yeah. it's just not realistic in my opinion, in my experience working with pro athletes as well. And people get hurt, that, that happens. So how you manage that injury is actually really important. And we covered this a little bit in the last podcast, but you want to be able to train. You want to be able to improve. You want to be able to monitor as objectively as you can is that thing getting better or is it not getting better? And pain scoring is such an important, critical thing that you can do to objectively keep track of if you're improving or not improving. And understanding how the pain scoring works also is really valuable. So with tendons, you need to make sure that you understand the pain is going to peak 24 to 48 hours after intervention or whatever you did. So Isaiah, his quad, like I'm looking at, if it hurts on the current day or the one of the first things we do in the morning is he updates me on his, on his pain. He's like, Hey, my quad is at this, or Hey, my back is at this. And I'm able to make decisions as far as his training based on what feedback he's giving me. So if he tells me, Hey, my quads a four and I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, what was it last time you gave me, you checked in, what was a two yesterday? So it's a four today. It was a two yesterday. What did you do yesterday that made it jump up to a four? Oh, well, I jumped. Okay, well, that makes sense why it would feel a little bit worse. And then from there, you can make whatever decision you want as far as how you could move, how you should move forward. Sometimes it just means staying at there and just staying at what you're doing and just maintaining your training volume. Other times it means adding more. Like right now, Isaiah is at a what? 1.5 or something like that? What are you yeah. at? Yeah, so he's at 1.5. Yeah. yeah, so if you're at a 1.5, I'm going to be like, all right, let's push a little harder. Let's add a little bit more. Let's next session. Because 1.5 is basically no pain. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. If you understand the pain scoring, 10 being childbirth and uh, having your fingers cut off, I don't know. <laughs> like, whatever the most painful thing is, I think there's a bunch of sensory nerves in your nociceptors in your fingertips. So maybe like putting needles through the tips of your fingers is a 10 very slowly. Maybe that's a 10. Does that make you cringe? <laughs> oh, gosh. I was like, that sounds terrible. Um, then a one is like, you know, what nothing is no pain at all. And a three or four is like a dull ache. So that tells me, you know, this is what I'm okay with. This is what I'm not okay with. I'm okay moving forward if we're here or not here. So and if he's at 1.5, we can move forward. And a general guideline we, we use with our athletes is if you're at a three or lower, you can generally keep doing what you're doing um, and then progress up very carefully. Um, if something, if pain rises above a three, that's when we're like, all right, we should probably take a step back. You weren't ready for whatever it is you're doing in your current progression. And then we'll take a step back and then progress back up to that point. And then if pain say that a three or less, then we keep kind of progressing up and up. Um, John, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but we were talking about how a lot of athletes try to chase that completely pain-free sensation and yeah. by by trying to chase that completely pain-free sensation, they never progress in their training and they end up getting stuck with where they're at. Um, again, uh, another personal anecdote. Um, when John, when I went through John's training the very first time, went through load management, we got my you know knees. I'm, real quick, sorry to interrupt. You know what I'm realizing? We yeah. should probably go over the fact that I coach you and <laughs> all your training because yeah. I don't know if, if we have new listeners that are just listening in on this because we're kind of climbing up the podcast charts. I write Isaiah's training. This is, I thought this was obvious and very clear, but if you're listening to this and you're very confused, my name's John. I have a 
master's degree in sports science. I am very interested in everything jump related and I coach the highest numbers in the world, Isaiah being one of them. That all said, Isaiah has a 48 inch vertical, officially legit, no BS involved, <laughs> touches 12 2. 12 2? 12 1. Touches 12 1, six foot, built like me, six foot one, whatever. Uh, that that that's understanding you should have while you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Go we ahead should put that. Saying. We should put that on our notes from now on. We definitely are advertisers put that and then introduce ourselves. <laughs> introduce um, ourselves. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm John Evans. I'm the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but when I when I started working with him, we got my knees to the point where I was able to dunk while being under a three paint. It wasn't completely pain free. I wasn't. I wasn't there. Like wow, like. I can do anything and like like there was there was a little bit of pain but I got but I was able to jump consistently every single week and train hard. Um then limiting. I think that's probably the most important thing. Is it yeah, the wasn't pain limiting. wasn't limiting you. Yeah. Like you might and feel then, it a little bit but it wasn't it's not going to limit you in jumping high. Yeah. And then over the course of the next 2 years training consistently the pain slowly got to the point where it was non-existent. Right now the the patellar tendon pain that I had, insertional tendinopathy, um, at the tibial tuberosity, basically gone. Like I can fuck. I feel like I can like hit it hard as shit with my with my hand, and I won't feel anything. <laughs> um, but that process took two years of dunking with around a two or a three pain, lifting, still doing slow strength, being careful. If there was ever a flare up, regressing back a little bit, doing slow strength for a bit. Um, and it was it was a process, right? And over the next two years, then it became pain free. A lot of athletes think that if they even feel just a little bit of pain, that they just can't train and they will be stuck, and they they end up getting stuck. And it takes a really long time to progress through. So that's why the pain score is important because there's there's like a point where it's like an acceptable pain as long as it's improving, and it's not above a three, it's usually good to to train through that. Yeah. I mean, this is this applies to more than just tendons too. This applies to muscles. This applies to bones. This applies to most connective tissue. It could apply to back pain in terms of like fibrocartilage and stuff like that, cartilage in the in the knees. Just pain gauging is one of the easiest things that you can do to mitigate your risk of injuring, re-injuring, or further injury. For example, today, yesterday, it was twenty-four degrees outside in Pittsburgh, and I, you know, I. I like to bust my balls training. So I was like, I'm going out here. I'm going to bound. <laughs> I'm going to do alternate leg bounding, probably clipping 13 feet per contact with a run in, which is not great, but it's pretty good. I mean, it's just alternate leg bounding. I have six steps. I'm not really, I'm not running full speed. It's not full out triple jump. There's no landing. It's pretty decent co contacts. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, do my warm up go through, do my high jump takeoffs. I'm starting to really get good in the curve, starting to anticipate the takeoff better, whatever else. And I get done with that session. Last week I did single leg quarter squats, pin squats at like 520 pounds. And I'm a little sore. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like stuff hurts everywhere. My hips, my knees, my ankles. It makes sense. I am applying a lot of force very frequently. And today I'm like, my back's a five or six my knees were throbbing and yeah last night like a five or six today they're like a three or four and i know today using that pain gauging i know my body i know well enough that the best thing for me to do is just relax recover and let that tissue repair itself does that mean i'm not going to train today no i'm still going to train today i just know that what i had on that piece of paper that says 
single leg quarter squats today at 5.30 is not going to happen. You know, it's, it's not a smart idea for me to go and push myself like that today. Maybe I move that stimulus to tomorrow and give myself more recovery time to allow that tissue to adapt because that's how you're going to adapt is by pushing. If you're avoiding pain all the time, completely odds are you're never really going to make progress. Whereas if you're pushing into it a little bit and this people used to think, Oh, well pain is okay in a tendon and they would push to a lot of pain or in a muscle pain is okay. They'll push to a lot of pain. You have to know what pain is acceptable and how long you need to recover after that. Sometimes it might be a couple weeks. (laughs) Like there was a time this summer I really messed up my back and Isaiah helped helped me help me because I was freaking out because I have this bias in my head. Like I know the answers, but I say it's like, this is what you got to do. Yeah. And uh, tracking that pain scoring, I needed a lot more rest and recovery than I thought I would have otherwise needed. So, yeah, I think, so as far as what you can or can't push through some general guidelines that I would give for it, if the pain gets worse from like, from the beginning of session to the end of the session, you probably shouldn't keep jumping. So that means if you come into the session pain free and then you start feeling a little bit, you probably shouldn't be because <laughs> yeah, you're be warm. Yeah, you should probably shouldn't be pushing through that. Um, if the pain is very minimal and then it gets less when you warm up, then that's probably um, then you're probably good to good to go. And then the final thing is you don't want to overdo it to the point where you're going to start feeling something. So take my case, for example, right now. I can have a session where I take 15 to 20 jumps and I'd probably be fine. I could probably go max effort and take 15, 20 jumps and probably would be fine. The problem would be is if I start taking 30, 40, 50 jumps, that's when like problems would arise. So you have to know your body to the point where you can stop well before you, you're going to start screwing yourself up. Like you don't want to, you don't want to be riding that, that point too close because then, then it's really hard to, to gauge. Yeah. So those are my general guidelines for, for that. Dean, Dean always says this, Dean Jackson, double X can flex is his Instagram. He, we had him on a podcast previously. He's one of the top pitching coaches in the MLB and works for driveline has worked with so many big leaders on throwing mechanics and training and things like that. And collegiate guys, I mean, he's a really smart guy. We have a lot in common in terms of how we view training and adaptation and things like that. But he always says, know where you're at, know where that line is, know where you're, your threshold is nowhere you are at in terms of your training capacity. And then you need to push past that a tiny little bit. And then you just keep building, you know, you keep building and building and building. It's like brick by brick, just building a wall, knowing how, how high is that wall right now? Well, I got to push past that a little bit. If I want to jump over it, <laughs> Like yeah. I got to add a little bit more and then eventually I'm going to make the wall a little higher and then I'm going to try to jump over it. Like adding that little tiny bit each time and knowing where your capacity is. I mean, that's, that's the adaptation. That's the adaptive process. That's how you actually improve. And when you go too far and you break that wall down, you blow through it, it takes a long time to build it back up. And you don't want to get to that point. Like me yesterday, what I did, I was not feeling great, but I was kind of like, I'm looking forward to this jump session. I had off the last two days. Like I ate like shit this weekend. So I know I have enough calories in me. I have a lot of energy in me. Like I'm fine to do this session. Yeah. And honestly, I probably would have been, but I was kind of in a rush. It was really cold. My dog was here whining and I was like, I'm just going to like, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Like, I don't Mm -hmm. care. And I pushed, I pushed a little past that, but to say that I went too far, no way, because I know my thresholds. I know the limits of what my body can handle and I'm not going to train hard again today. You know what I mean? I think a big problem other people make is they keep pushing day after day after day. You know, they don't give themselves like, they think an off day is the worst thing in the world. Like taking off training 
can be good. Even if you're on my training and you're like, I don't feel it today, just take off. Do do the yeah. next day session. I mean, that's you what know, I don't did. Play catch up. That's what I did. I I took a week off for the first time in months. Aside from when I sprained my ankle in February, I took a, just a complete week off because I needed it mentally. Um, that was honestly the biggest reason, but it had a really good effect on my quad as well. I was I was lifting heavy as shit, right? I was stressed out with work and social media and stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a week to myself. I'm just going to do ISOs and that's it. And I came back. I was able to get, you know, re realign my goals, stay really disciplined with slow strength and I can jump again now. And yeah, it was, it was a really good decision. Mm -hmm. Also there, you reminded me of this. There's, it's really important that one, your diet is, is good. Um, get Legion supplements so that you can maximize supplements your recovery. But it's really good that, that you're doing what, like whatever you can, as far as diet sleep, is huge and also be very careful with alcohol consumption and um and that that goes hand in hand with sleep usually it goes hand in hand because people want to go out they want to party and stuff like that lots of alcohol combine that with not a lot of sleep and then if you go out and then try to train as hard as you can the very next day while possibly being hurt like it's just a recipe for for disaster so you, you got to be very periodize you're going out. <laughs> like, you do have to period. You can go that. out. You can go out, but like you have to know that when you do that, it's going to take you four or five days to really truly get back to a hundred percent. And you can eat like shit every once in a while, but like it's going to take yeah. you four or five days to get back to that hundred percent. You know, yeah. we have guys that don't give a shit about that, and they can get away with it for a certain amount of time or whatever. Yeah. But usually, the younger like, you, usually the younger you are. Um, and the level of how built different you are <laughs> applies to it. But as you get older, like, yeah, that's, Did that you starts... quantify how, how different you're built. Could you quantify how, that for me? We're going to start putting that in our questionnaires. How, people differently built are you? how, how, how different <laughs> are you like, yeah. on a built level, different. but exactly how on a level from fat slob to T flying high, how built different are you? <laughs> T flying high is built different. That is very true. He's the definition of built different by, <laughs> He's I was like, I was talking with comes out and he's like, yeah, I guess I'm gonna max out my deadlift again. Yeah. What, what did you do yesterday? Well, I maxed out my deadlift. <laughs> like, I was I was talking with Austin about him. I think two days ago. And tell, then, tell me about the time he gets bored and he goes to the gym and lifts for three hours. Yeah, <laughs> I was talking to Austin and he was like, yo, like T's training must be so fucking good. Like, what if it's the best training? He's improving like the fastest. And I was like, bro, he's genetically gifted, so he's able to literally lift heavier shit multiple times every day and jump every day. If you do that, you will jump higher really <laughs> quickly. <laughs> if you can lift the heavy as much as you want and jump as and much jump as you want. As much as you want. You're good. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to get better. It's hard not to get better. The only way you could not get better is if you're just not giving your body what it needs to recover. <laughs> like at that yeah. point. Yeah. Like you're that's like, the, it's the yeah, Jordan Kilgannon method. <laughs> jump every day for seven hours and then rest every two weeks and you're gonna get better yeah my uncle who's a pt said this when i was a kid he's like one of the things that makes athletes elite is just like a war of attrition just who can train more who can handle yeah. more training and and not get hurt and i was yeah. like that's bullshit like it's genetics it's this it's that and i'm like looking back i'm kind of like really is like specificity and how much how many reps can you really get in without getting yeah. hurt and i mean this is, max intensity this, this can segue into talking about hoopers and load management but 
reaching the highest levels of basketball. So NBA, overseas, right? Professional basketball is basically who was able to survive the rigors and brutality of youth absolute basketball. Game and, raping that happens. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> game, it's literally game, by the way. <laughs> it's who's genetically gifted enough to go through hours of training, jumping, and basketball per day without getting hurt at all. Look at LeBron James, right? LeBron James is late 30s. I don't know his exact age. Late 30s. Never went through a major injury, right? Like, and he's, yeah, That's you need to be genetically gifted for that. Unless you're able to freaking periodize perfectly and you have coaches who have no load management. Um, Something I like to think about a lot is like how many great athletes did we miss out on because of the absolute shit show that is like basketball training college and high school coaching like it's it's literally wrecked so many basketball careers yeah off the top of my head i can think right and for this is for you basketball nuts tracy mcgrady super gifted basketball player ended up getting hurt because of injuries grant hill amazing basketball player was supposed to be the next michael jordan got got injured right there's so many basketball players penny hardaway is another one and yeah and just, by the way the answer is not more training fyi i think people are hear that and they're like oh, i gotta find the best prehab program on the planet well fyi that's not the answer the answer is train less and know when to train and know yeah. how to train it's not training more i think people are like looking for a magic bullet if you're listening to this just take that idea and throw it in the trash, okay? There's yeah. not one thing that you can do in your training that is going to automatically make you It's individuality. It is, That's it's, what it comes it is, down to. That is like, if you don't know anything about training, you should know that there are several training laws, quote-unquote, that we know are like evidence-based, peer-reviewed to the absolute max, and just doing things that are specific to improving you as an athlete is, that is the golden ticket. That is the magic bullet. That is the fucking pill you need to take is individuality. It's having your plan such that it maximizes your individual ability to recover with every single variable taken into consideration. The only way you can do this is a human being. <laughs> like yeah. speaking to a human being face to face and being like, okay, what do I need to do? And having the appropriate intervention implemented. Sometimes it's yeah. doing less. Sometimes it's doing less and it's actually not doing more. A lot of these kids in season, this kind of brings me to the next one. It's like, Hey, uh, I'm playing every day. I've got games every other day. Like, how much more should I train? <laughs> what should I? What should I be adding in? And I'm like, adding in, adding in. I didn't know any of this shit. Like, you're just dropping this on me right now. You need to be doing less. You need to be like not training right now. You need to be not squatting, not bench pressing, not doing jack shit, and just like playing basketball right now. Well, like, what about my gains? Your gains will be fine, okay? <laughs> like, we'll lift once or twice. You could lift twice a month or three times a month. And you would still maintain much of your strength levels. Like yeah. it's just knowing how to set things up so that you're able to do that. Like, and, and it's important too. Like for a basketball player, like it's a very it's a very skill based sport, right? And to acquire a skill, you have to you have to practice it a lot. But there is a way because we're we're not telling you to be like, look, only practice shooting five minutes a week. That's it. <laughs> That's all you get, right? Like, generally, the more you do something, better you're gonna get at it. But don't go from doing nothing to doing everything, right? You can build up to shooting more, to doing more ball handling drills, to playing more pickup games. 
but it should be a very 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 slow progression up like add yeah. add five five 15 minutes of hooping like a week just because you had just like, because your brain had a boost of motivation so high that you're ready to work hard to be the next elon musk over the next week doesn't mean your body can adapt and recover at that rate <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. your motivation and your desire to work hard does not line up with your body's ability yeah. to recover in a timely fashion. That's why it's very dangerous. And I get caught up in this all the time. John saw it two weeks ago. It's very easy to look at someone on social media like that's that's doing something crazy and that motivates you and then you wanna then you wanna achieve that, right? Like let's say for me, I I look at um Jay Clark and T Flying High all the time because they're prop they're the strongest dunkers out there, right? And I see them lifting freaking 500 pounds on a squat. And then I'm like, shit, like I have to, I have to go fucking train hard as shit. I'm going to go front squat 315 for two, even though my, my quad hurts. Right. Like it's very easy to get caught up in that. Um, but again, law of individuality. I am not Jay Clark. I'm not T flying high. Just like you listeners, you're not Isaiah Rivera. You're not John Evans, right? John I'm Evans, he, he put 600 pounds on his back and the, the, the fucking quarter squat. In a single leg, oh, single you know what happened. <laughs> you know what happened if I tried that, my back would blow out. <laughs> like, you know, would, my back would blow it's out, right? I'd probably blown out, <laughs> and my and my freaking greater trochanter would like rip out of the skin. Like, like I would get fucked up. Everybody is different. You have to look at your own training or have a coach at thpstrength.com look at your training <laughs> right? Look at look at your own training and see what are the big things I'm missing. And then, and then just and work on those things. It's like one of the biggest things when you just talk about load management and like this pain scoring is it's individual. It's like specific to you. You're tracking your pain. You're tracking the changes in your body and being able to do that and then communicate to your, your athletic training staff, communicate to your coach. Like that is so underrated. It, it blows my mind when kids are like, yeah, I'm having seven out of 10 knee pain. I'm like seven out of 10. I'm like, bro, can you even go for a rebound without your knees feeling like they're going to blow up? Like, what are you talking about? And then they're like, yeah, well, I got to play every day. <laughs> I got to work out through three hours a day, like this highly dynamic elastic activity over and over and over again, because that's the norm. And then you wonder why kids in basketball are like injured as shit. Like we've just pushed the the threshold and the needle on that as far as possible. You look at the NBA and you're like, those guys don't do shit. Like they don't do anything like that anymore. Like, th like you hear these crazy stories of guys working their dick off in the gym, but in reality, I guarantee they are not doing that at their age in the NBA. The majority of guys could not sustain that with that level of play, either that, or they're not really trying that hard. I think one of the reasons guys are able to make it in the NBA is because they're bigger than everyone else. So they don't have to try as hard to score points. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to, like, relative to the threshold they need to apply is way less. Like, they don't have to jump 50 inches to, to dunk. They don't have yeah. to jump 30 inches. Like, I saw, dunk. I was watching a, a Lakers game the other day, and I saw LeBron drive it in, took off from, like, close to the free throw line. Like, he was literally, like, like a step inside, and then just went in for a layup. He jumped like it looked like he jumped twenty inches, and then just went for a layup straight to the hoop, handled yeah, by the rim. And I was yeah. like, twenty inches. <laughs> yeah, he he literally jumped like twenty inches from the free throw line. Like the effort level. If if all I needed to dunk right was was twenty inches, I could probably play basketball every single day and dunk up like. <laughs> Right, it would be it would be super easy, and that's what guys in the NBA are like. There's it's six eight guys with eight foot ten reaches 
that don't have to try as hard like yeah and that's why they're able to manage right you, they can get a lot of practice in like you can do you can do shooting drills like a lot if you build up to it and, and that's the other thing they've trained their whole lives and built up the resilience from the age of like three yeah right like think a, a good example of this is jordan kogannon jordan kogannon started dunking for hours every day when he was like 12 13 and he built up to it i've i've talked to jordan about this he didn't just start dunking every day seven hours a day like it's he built up to it built the resilience and he was yeah he was able to do that the problem arises like i said already like when you just you see this nba player you hear about kobe practicing eight hours a day and you're like i i want to be kobe i want to right i want to have mamba mentality so i'm going to practice eight hours a day that's just so talk about mamba that's venomous yeah. thinking right there that's poisonous thinking if and you then another, assume you can just jump into it yeah fine. and then another thing is these guys are usually slated to be like in the nba from a young age they're not trying that hard in school they don't have a job that they have to go to after high school or like yeah, in the middle so, yeah. of taking college classes um you, don't they, see, you oftentimes won't see guys like that make it like there's only so much the human body the human brain yeah. can handle <laughs> and mind you there's always outliers right yeah. there's always people built different yeah exactly there's always <laughs> people built different there's always outliers what you got to look at is the cluster the big cluster the majority of people that have played basketball end up getting hurt end up not making it to college basketball end up not making it to the nba that's that's the cluster and why cuz they get hurt so. The analogy I love to give is like with the vaccine. Imagine if like Donald Trump took the vaccine and he was like, it works. Everything's amazing. The vaccine's incredible. Uh, I'm the greatest thing ever. And then he's like, hey, look, we gave it to one person. And then Donald Trump's like, everybody needs to take the vaccine. This is happening. Thank you, America. We're making us great again. And it just worked for him. Worked for one person. But he's like, look at me. I haven't got COVID-19. And then gives it to everyone. He's just like, you get a virus. You get it. You get it. You get it, COVID. And then everyone gets the vaccine. Give it to 6 billion people on the planet because Donald Trump said so because it worked for him. And just all at one time, we were just like, poof, everyone takes the vaccine. All 6 billion doses are given out. And all of a sudden, like, 98% of people start getting genital warts on their face. And then they're like, <laughs> Donald's like, but it worked for me. <laughs> He's like, yeah. That's basically what people do whenever they like look at these outliers they're like that dude's built different donald trump in that illustration i just gave was built different but to go and take that thinking and apply it to the entire population is yeah. asinine like that's a terrible idea but that's what people do they do the same thing with training they're like well kobe trained for eight hours a day and he didn't get genital warts on his face <laughs> yeah. i mean it, not that not that that's what's going to happen but i'm just saying or, like, or he did or this guy did a thousand calf raises and he jumps high like i should yeah, do that so that's too. what i should do yeah like that's that's dumb as shit if you give a thousand calf raises to 99 percent of the population guess what it's not going to work for 99 but of if the you population. give a thousand calf raises to a genetic freak that is that doesn't that has pure testosterone for his blood He's playing basketball every fucking day and jumping all the time like that's the other thing too is these are not controlled examples like maybe donald trump was like given six vaccines and he's like but this is the one that did it this is the thing that did it it was the it was the bleach that i was drinking every day so everyone needs to drink bleach because bleach is what kills covid like no like it could have been the fact that they gave him fucking grapefruit in the morning and maybe that was the reason why like to just yeah. assume that it's this one thing because this person said it and that's what they swear by 
I mean, that's not realistic. So we're telling you what is realistic. We're telling you what's been studied in controlled environments where, you know, like there's certain metrics that are being measured the whole time to come to very clear, concise, concrete answers. And that really is it. It's, hey, monitor your pain, pay attention to your pain. That's what matters. That's the variable that matters the most. Pay attention to your workload and make adjustments accordingly. Yep. We're at 36 minutes a day. Is there anything else we're missing? We didn't talk about bone load and shin splints, but we could probably do a whole one on that. Yeah, and and backs. <laughs> load management part three. <laughs> we'll cover that. I want to. I want to do the next podcast. I want to do is how do you build explosive athletes? I think. I think we should take a couple week break from load management podcast. Yeah, we're not. We're not doing that again. No, I'm playing. But <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. As always, make sure that you like, comment, subscribe, whatever else. We're probably going to start posting these and pushing them really on the podcast streaming service, Apple. So if you're listening to this podcast on those streaming services, make sure that you comment because that's going to help us get pushed as high as possible to as many people as possible. Make sure you like it, share it on your story. If you share it on your story, Isaiah and I will definitely repost it. Yeah, Just make sure you tag us. Yeah. Make sure you tag us. You got to tag us because otherwise we won't see it. So tag us and we will share it on our stories. And that's all I have guys. Let's, let's do this. If you're listening to it on Spotify or Apple, go to your favorite part of this podcast and record 10 seconds of it. Tag us on our stories and we'll and we'll repost it. Perfect. All right, yep. guys. Peace out. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you on tomorrow's episode.